Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello and welcome. Oh, my fellow chakra nerds, I have something really great for you today. And you know I don't mean nerd in a mean way or anything. I mean it in that way that some of us are just so interested in learning about this system, getting into all the details and the nitty gritty, and you are going to love the in-depth discussion of the chakras I'm having today. It is time for some chakra science how the chakras as energy centers are directly connected and part of your nervous system and physical structures. We talk about atoms and molecules and nerve ganglia and all that good stuff, but don't worry, don't worry. If you're, if you're not that interested in anatomy and physiology, my guest today shares a lot with us about auras and energy. What I love though is how Terry Lee combines the two and shows us that they're not separate, but they're they're integrated, which is how our emotions get stuck in our tissues, how energy affects us physically, how physical trauma can be released through energy work, how it all goes together. She also shares some really practical tips on how to use breath, intention, and movement to balance your chakras and heal from old stories and trauma. It's just, it's all very interesting. Let me tell you a little bit about Terry Lee. But before I do that, just a quick reminder, please. Reviews and ratings are so important to independent podcasts like this one. And they're probably important to a lot of the other podcasts that you listen to. Uh, Some of the big shows have like teams behind them that help them get discovered. And that that's awesome. That's amazing. But a lot of us with small like your chakra coach really rely on you to help spread the word. Personally, I think the best way is for you to share an episode with someone that you know would enjoy the show. And another way though, that the search engines or whatever help people discover the show is ratings and reviews. So again, a million thanks to everyone who has already gone into their apps and rated, and especially especially those of you who have written reviews. Thank you so much. But if you haven't, would you mind just, just doing that really quickly? Just go in, um, tap some stars, uh, maybe write a review if you have a minute, um, and just and then remember to subscribe or follow the podcast. Okay, thanks. Enough about me. Enough about me. Back to Terry Lee. As a mindfulness coach and chakras expert, Terry Lee is a wisdom weaver, a monkey mind shusher, a stress whisperer, happiness amplifier, and negativity crusher. I love those descriptions of her. They're really true. Uh, Terry Lee helps spiritually minded, sensitive souls through critical life events and major life changes, such as divorce or breakups, grief, uh, loss, career shifts, retirement, caring for sick loved ones, or uh, significant health challenges or body changes. Terry Lee has taught over 200,000 students, and she's worked privately with over 2,000 clients. 
She has a master's degree in teaching, over 20 years of experience in yoga and mindfulness, and she has a passion for neuroscience and brain and nervous system training. So because of that, she provides a scientific and practical approach to spirituality and personal growth teachings. I think that you'll really, you'll really hear that from her during this conversation. So enjoy. Hi, Terry Lee. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so excited that this is going to work. I'm really, really interested in, um, in talking about this because I think it's a, an approach to chakras that not a whole lot of people take. So um, if you don't mind, I'd actually like to, before we get too into chakra science, I'd love to know just kind of a little bit about you. Where did you come from? How did you develop this technique, this interest? Tell me, tell me about you a little bit. I am born and raised, well, born in South Dakota, raised in Minnesota. So a midwife's girl. Just nice. Good, solid roots yep. and <laughs> very grounded. So I'm very into the practical science and grounded practicality of life, yet also very esoteric and metaphysical. And when I was a young child, 9, 10, 11 years old, my parents got intrigued by intuition and psychic development and things like that. And they came home from a class talking about auras and chakras. And I said, well, yeah, I see those things. Don't you? (laughs) (laughs) So I was raised by very open-minded parents who then encouraged me to continue to see what I could see through most of all of my childhood. And it really came to a head and became a career for me when I attended my first yoga class. Mm -hmm. I was taking a yoga class and there were mirrors and I could see the words of the teacher coming out of their mouth and hitting the bodies of the students and changing their auras and chakras as their bodies changed to different positions. And then their auras and chakras changing there. Fascinating. So I actually got in trouble in that yoga class because I wasn't paying attention to myself. Uh mm -hmm. (laughs) I could see that. It'd be very distracting. It was. It was like a laser light show that I'd never seen before. Yeah. Really, I'd seen auras and chakras my whole life, but I'd never seen them change and transform in such a symphony of ways. I mean, that's the best way to describe it is the classroom became a symphony. And this laser light fireworks show display in front of me. And I got became obsessed with, well, how do words and body postures change the energies of a human? And because I couldn't keep watching other people in classes that I was taking, I became yeah, so a yoga it's teacher. A little, it's a little creepy if you're just a student staring at other students. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you become a teacher and then it's your job to stare at people. Yes. <laughs> and it's my job to really pay attention to what words I use and how they impact my students' bodies and how they impact the energies and how do they change the chakra, how do the postures change the chakras and the auras? And I turn it into a science. Yeah, that's Uh, what I do for a living. Also, how fortunate are you that you grew up in a home that respected these kinds of things as opposed to told you they were pretend or or worse, told you to put them away? I don't know if it's worse, but, you know, like at least like the openness and the space to sort of explore that. That's that's very fortunate. I don't know that everybody um, everybody gets to have like that. I have amazing parents. They're still living. They're almost 80, very vibrant, very healthy. 
souls who are very, very open-minded and just curious. That is so And beautiful. They, they told me my whole life as a child, you are my greatest teacher. And so they just listen to everything anyone has to share and they're curious. That's such a good example for a child, but it's it's also just a good example for all of us, right? Like, go ahead and, and find the teaching wherever it comes from. So um, thank you for sharing all of that. That was really interesting. And I think it really leads us into what um, fascinates me so much about what you do. And that is chakra science, which I feel like a lot of people would say those are two opposite things. Um, I would personally disagree wholeheartedly. But I think a lot of people would say, oh, science is cold, hard facts and chakras are like woo woo or whatever. But your sort of premise is that that's not true, that chakras and science are the same and work with each other. So I think I'd like to know a little bit about more what you consider chakra science to be and sort of your development of your your method. So let's go back to that yoga class where okay. I could see the teacher's words coming out of her mouth and hitting the students' bodies. Words coming out of a mouth are vibration. That's science. There's physical vibration of sound waves that come out of our mouths and go into the atmosphere and then disrupt the atmosphere with that sound vibration. And so really that vibration is a disruption of the atoms and molecules that are stirring around us all the time. We are made of atoms and molecules. That's everything on the planet is made of atoms and molecules and our bodies are more dense. Atoms and molecules are closer together, but in the space between our bodies and other bodies, they're less dense. And so those sound waves are atoms and molecules reorganizing in different vibrations and energies. And so when that sound wave will hit your eardrum, it's going to create a different energy of more atoms and molecules are mixing. So that's from a sound wave perspective. From the breath work perspective, which is all over yoga and woo-woo teachings and so forth, from breath work, breath is also that non-dense conglomeration of atoms and molecules that are constantly changing and reorganizing. And Anything that is living has atoms and molecules that are constantly reorganizing into new energies all the time. When you are nodding your head at me, when you are breathing, you are changing the molecular structure of what's going on in your body. What I see as atoms and molecules, what you see scientifically as atoms and molecules, I say is chakras and auras. The non-dense energy of atoms and molecules reorganizing themselves in the universe, in our bodies, in our energy is expressed in the colors and the vibrations and the things we cannot, I can see, but other people cannot see in the form of vibration and energy and so forth. Now take that to a more specific level in your human body. What are the non-dense energies that are moving through inside your human body? Because we've got blood, we've got bone, we've got tissue, we've got muscle. Those are all more dense. You can touch them, you can feel them, you tactily, viscerally experience them. But the non-dense energy lives in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So your nervous system is your brain 
and your spinal cord and your nerves. Those are the physical dense structures of your nervous system and running through your brain, your nervous, your spinal cord and your nerves are these electrical wirings that atoms and molecules move on these highways, so to speak. And they reorganize themselves on these highways of your nerves. And within these highways and within this structure of your brain and your spinal cord and your nerves is all the history, all the information, the non-dense atoms and molecules, but the history of your entire existence. From the moment you were conceived to who you are now, every memory, every experience you've ever had is coded into your nervous system, as is the entire history of your genetics, your DNA, and your ancestors. That all lives on your nervous system. And what I see as a chakra, there are 72 million chakras in your body. And those 72 million chakras are when a nerve intersects with a nerve. Okay. So it's a highway of information traveling from your brain to your body and from your body to your brain. And when they intersect, that intersection, kind of like a traffic circle or a roundabout in the highway, is a chakra. Okay. And the chakra then is a place where information from one nerve to another nerve can go and collide and reorganize. And so okay. when you have 72 million of those, but there are seven main ones along the column of your spinal column. And those main seven chakras are where the biggest intersections of nerves occur. And those are our scientific study them in anatomy and physiology class, like nerve ganglias, nerve complexes. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. Right. So they, they coexist. They are the same thing. Chakras, nerve intersections, they are the same thing. Okay. So we, when we say nerve system and we we're talking about the actual like dendrites and stuff of the actual nerves themselves, that's the physical structure. And then what we're talking about chakras here is the energetic structure, essentially. It's the, the non-dense atoms and molecules that you can't touch because okay. they're not close enough together, reorganizing themselves into different atoms and molecules within those nerve pathways and moving hmm. along. And then, so I, this is maybe a side note, and maybe we'll talk more about them later, but you said the, the entire history of your existence lives as non-dense atoms and molecules on your nervous system at, at all times, I guess. Is that what, is that what we mean when we say things like stored trauma or ancestral trauma? Yes. It lives inside our nervous system. It lives in those nerves and those wirings, because that's where we, when we have an experience, your nervous system is triggered. And that experience then goes and gathers other information already inside you, your ancestral trauma, your experienced, not just trauma, but any, anything sure. you've experienced in your life, your conditioning, your childhood conditioning, your conscious training of yourself, your nerves go and gather that information to process it and figure out, well, this is new information. What do I do with it based on all this stuff that I've already got in my system? Okay. And that's all carried in the atoms and molecules that are running along those wires. It's our electrical wiring system that carries the information. It's like our motherboard. Sure. That makes a lot of sense sort of from a, I mean, like you're saying, like a scientific standpoint and, um, it, and I have no trouble like picturing that. Um, I guess, do we have any 
so I'm assuming it all reorganizes in a some sort of intelligent way that the energy system and the nervous system knows, but we don't have a lot of sort of knowledge of it. Do we have any control over how it reorganizes or, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it does it whether we want it to or not, because that's just the nature of it. That's how the human body functions mm -hmm. is stimuli comes in and the nervous system gets to work. We do have control over it in some ways and we don't have control over it in other ways. We can't control the history that's already coded into us but sure. we can control our response to it okay and we can change the here and now of how we address it by choosing to change our energy and our perspective and so when you change your mind when you change your breath when you change how your body is moving that's going to change atoms and molecules right there sure because as we've discussed those are just other rearrangements atoms of atoms and, and molecules right. interacting with other rearrangements and so some of the things like you were talking about doing those yoga poses right like that's a conscious decision to move your body into a specific pose and if you're a yoga practitioner or a teacher you understand that you move your body into certain places to affect it in certain ways they're not random sequences of, of poses hopefully um <laughs> <laughs> and so like that is, so that's a way that we reorganize. Is this what people mean when they say heal your nervous system? Yes. Okay. And tell me more about that. I almost think heal is a misconnotation. I love this phrase that my shaman teacher uses. There is no right or wrong, only right or left. Really, there is no good or bad. There just is. And you get to choose whether you want this or that. And so to heal implies that something is wrong or bad. I see. But really in your nervous system, it's just processing information. No information is good or bad. It's us who decides whether we like it or dislike it, whether okay. we find it good or bad. So there's no need to place a moral judgment on a molecule. That's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But if we get fixated on this is a bad feeling, and we mm -hmm. focus on it being a bad feeling, well, then we're going to manifest it as a bad feeling because that's what we're focusing on. And so how However, do we work on focusing on other things? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to know. To heal, to quote, heal the nervous system is to simply shift and change how those atoms and molecules are reorganizing by changing your focus on what you're choosing to be important. And so okay. here's a whole nother layer of the nervous system. In your everyday life, you encounter way too much stimuli to consciously process it all. There's way too much going on out there. Yes. For your brain to say, I see and know everything on a conscious level. So your brain has something called the RAS, the reticular activation system. And what the RAS does is it filters all the stimuli, all the things you see, smell, touch, taste, and experience. And here it filters all that stuff and says, this stuff is important. You've decided it's important. So I'm going to make you pay attention to that. And the rest of it is not important. I'm going to put it away in filing cabinets in your nervous system to access later in unconscious moments. The RAS filters on three levels. It filters ancestral stuff. Well, this is important because it came from your ancestors. And a lot of that goes into the unconscious world. It filters childhood conditioning well you were conditioned so this is important 
and it puts that into the right boxes and files. And then it filters what you focus on, what you choose consciously and mindfully as important. And that's where the chakras come into play. If you are conscious and mindful about how you make your choices in life, if you live a mindful life in how you move your body, how you breathe, and how you think, and how you respond to things, it's going to change the wrath of the filters coming through, and then the messages going through consciously into your body are going to go through those chakras and change how those traffic circles or roundabouts of energy are shift are adjusting. This feels very much like a, a very specific scientific ex explanation of what people mean when they talk about balancing their chakras. Right? Yes. That this is the literal explanation of what is happening uh, on the physical level of all kinds of dense physical uh, energy and less dense, finer physical energy. Exactly. That's what it sounds like to me. Right. Because a chakra is a, it's almost like a moving, breathing mass. For sure. It's a bundle of nerves that is constantly lighting and adjusting based on the messages coming through it. And mm -hmm. so let's, let's give an example of the root chakra. Okay. Which that's the most basic. The root chakra lives at the base of your spine and it governs everything. The nerves there go down through your legs and feet. So it governs everything in your legs and feet. And what your legs and feet are about is your stability, your support. So the energy of your root chakra is managing all of the information about foundation and support and structure and stability, because that's what your legs and feet do for your body. Now, if you are in a state in your life where you are in a place in this moment that's very, very stable and safe and foundationally structured, your root chakra doesn't have to work very hard. Say you're home watching Netflix, you're chilling with your honey or your cat, and the doors are locked and everything's safe. Your root chakra does not have to work very hard because the outside energies are very safe and stable. The stability is provided to you for you by your outside world. However, if you're walking down a dark alleyway in a place you don't know where you've heard that there's a lot of crime and there's a lot of scary stuff going on, your root chakra is going to have to do the work to make you feel safe and to make you adjust if something is not safe. Right? Okay. So your root chakra is this function. It takes in the outside world. Oh, I'm safe. I'm Netflixing and chilling, or I'm not safe. I'm in a bad neighborhood. And then it's going to adjust itself to turn on your, your responses to things. You hear a loud sound on the TV no big deal. I'm safe. And your, your body's not going to go into freak out mode. You hear a loud sound in the dark alley. That could be a gunshot. I got to get in a place that's safer. And your nervous system responds. However, if your chakras are not balanced, they're not going to adjust appropriately to the circumstance that's happening in the moment. So if you have PTSD, mm -hmm. you could be home Netflixing and chilling and you hear that loud noise and your chakra goes into freak out mode because it thinks it's not safe. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into high mode, even though it should be in calm mode. Okay. So that's I, an example of the, how the chakras get out of balance. Yes. By trauma. That makes, 
yes, from trauma or, you know, that could be that, like you were saying, childhood conditioning, because some children grow up in homes that are not stable or secure. And therefore the right. conditioning, uh, you know, that RAS system is constantly where there with the underlying premise, you are not safe. Um, and right. so that's how your, that nervous system energy is responding. Okay. Then if that's the case, how do we start to, if we understand the mechanics of the balancing, how do we engage with them? Right. Is it, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, great. Now I know like I'm unstable or whatnot, but there has to be a way to rebalance. Right. Right. Which then goes to what all the rage is these days, which is training your nervous system or training your brain, which really is the motherboard of your nervous system. And the best way to train your nervous system is mindfulness. And all these studies out there are saying that yoga and meditation are the key to breeding these kinds of nervous system conditions. Mm -hmm. However, yoga and meditation require long duration of disciplined practice that is not accessible to the average person, especially not accessible to the person who's got PTSD, right. where they're going to yes. be triggered by all kinds of things. Sitting quietly in a room with 30 other people is not a safe place for some people <laughs> experiencing some kind. It's just not like for some people that feels great for other people that feels like the worst, most dangerous situation ever. So it is not accessible. Plus I, I can, I'm, I sometimes get concerned that yoga classes that people simply attend are not physically accessible. Right, right. They're not physically accessible because they're putting you into pretzel positions, stupid human tricks. <laughs> and many of those pretzel positions and stupid human tricks, I've been guilty of doing them all. Totally. Are manipulating your body into positions that then almost tie your nervous system into physical knots that make it harder for your nerves to communicate. <laughs> So while they may yeah. have a purpose for, for some types of things, they're not great necessarily for this process that we're talking about here. If you're not doing them in the way that they were designed to be done. Got it. And really, if you look at the yoga practice, every single yoga pose is really designed to get your brain and your spinal cord in ideal alignment. Every yoga pose is supposed to be Tadasana or mountain pose where your brain and your spine are straight and your limbs are moving around that straightness. Even if you're arching or curving in a back bend, it's an elongation and a gradual curve of that back bend to keep the pathway from your brain through your spinal cord as even and elongated as possible. So it's a really clear path from your brain through your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. But most mm -hmm. teachers don't teach that. Most yoga teachers are not teaching every pose should be this straight line from brain to tailbone. Yeah, there's, yeah. And frequently there's a lot of pressure for yoga poses to look a certain way or for bodies to look a certain way to be yogic. Right. And that's <laughs> also not terribly helpful, useful or true. Um, okay, Which is so what I learned when I was watching all those yoga poses and all those students, I would see chakras. Ooh, that doesn't look so right. That doesn't look so right. That's so interesting. Well, and that's true. That's why like yoga teachers will frequently say, listen to your body, but we don't know how to do that. We don't always right. know you show up to your first yoga class. And, and I know I'm a yoga teacher too. So I've said that, listen to your body. And then you forget that somebody coming in for the first time has no clue how to listen to their body. If they did, they might not be in my right. class. 
which goes back to your question of how do we balance our chakras? The answer is learn how to listen to your body. And learning how to listen to your body is a very accessible and simple practice of breathing and thinking a thought and doing a physical action that you can do in very tiny increments. And this is where I go into my methodology. I call it the Mosey method. Right. And the Mosey method is basically yoga broken down into the tiniest, tiniest little tidbits of wisdom to teach your brain, to listen to your body and teach your body to pay attention to your brain. When you say thought, you're talking about like intentions. We're always setting intentions for our class. And I have so many people ask me like, what does that mean even? But that's what you do is literally say, let's set an intention for this, for this section of your nervous system and get it balanced. Okay. So the, the three parts of balancing each of these seven main chakras, right? the, the intention, the, yes. the breath and the physical posture, which is not necessarily like, and now you have to do a backbend. It's, <laughs> it's much, no. it's, it's smaller than that. It's much smaller than that. And something that anyone can do almost anywhere and anytime in their daily life. So let's go back to that root chakra. Okay. Here you are Netflix and chilling or in this dangerous dark alley. And you have that little trigger response of the PTSD that you need your root chakra to adjust to itself more readily and appropriately to what circumstance you're in. So you, the thought you think is the message that's going through your nervous system, talking from your brain to your body, right? Okay. The intention, the affirmation. So what if you start thinking, here you are Netflixing and chilling, and you got that scary sound that made your heart race. So then you immediately start thinking, I am safe. And you look around your room and you are safe. There's no gunshots going off. I am safe. So that's a thought that's going through your body. And then you start breathing a very slow, conscious, even breath to slow down the nerves, to slow down the message so that it's much more clear, getting to all of the nerves of your body because the oxygen is what moves those messages through your nerves. Mm -hmm. So you've got those two elements. And then you simply put both feet very solid and still on the floor. Because the feet are where the nerves from the root chakra, nerve ganglia or complex com originate. Yes? Right. Okay. The, the feet are the stability and structure of the human body. Right. And so you want to put the feet on something that's very stable and structured and safe. And so then you're thinking safe and your feet are mimicking safety. And you're sending that message through the breath to every nerve in your body. And you do that for five, 10 breaths. And there's tons of clinical proof out there that five to 10 deep breaths will lower anxiety significantly. I argue that if you add the mental intention to the physical action, that anxiety level drops even more and stays dropped for longer. Sure. That makes sense because, because you're, you're incorporating more all parts of you. Yes. Okay, right. so breaking it down, your intention, you you get triggered, whatever it is that triggers you, and you, in, in this particular instance, and your intention or your thought or your affirmation, as you say, I am safe, and I connect that to my breath, and even breath in, even breath out, even when it's hard, which sometimes if you're not feeling safe, that can be tough, but 
it, it can be done. It just takes practice and then plant your feet. So that's, that's all three parts just kind of right there in that. Right. I mean, that's the like 30 seconds. Is, you just said it can be hard to do in the moment. So the key is part of brain training is you have to do it when you don't need it. Talk because about when that. you do it, when you do it, when you don't need it, you create that habit and you create that sensation when it's okay. And so then your brain says, oh, I recognize this. I've done this before. I'm supposed to do this again. When you trigger it, when you do need it. So you okay. practice it when you don't need it to make it more effective when you do need it. Sure. I mean, like, that's what my, my meditation teacher always says. He's like, so, you know, who cares what happens during the 20 minutes you meditate? We don't meditate for the, those 20 minutes. You meditate for your ability to access that skill the other hours of the day. And I think right. this is, must be very similar to that. It's actually a little bit in reverse. You've got to practice it when you don't need it so that it works when you do need it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes, that's right. Um, so when we identify an imbalance, your method, the Mosey method, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, has like a specific, so I, maybe it's not my root. Maybe I realize my heart chakra is imbalanced. Your method has something similar for each of the seven chakras. Is that how that works? I have a specified Mosey method exercise, which is a intention, breath, and body action for each of the seven chakras. Okay. And then they can be fine-tuned and specially calibrated to the individual person based on whatever issues they're carrying in that chakra. Mm. by getting very fine-tuned and specific about the intention. Got it. I'm sorry, and I don't think we have time to go through all seven right now. Um, no, we don't. <laughs> that, would take, that would take way too long. Um, I am interested in touching on the intentions again, because we think of the chakras as having multiple acts, uh, aspects, right? Like the root chakra isn't just safe. It could also be secure. It could also be a variety of other types of things. So when you say you're... Um, individualizing the the affirmation that's what you mean right like maybe my problem isn't security but it is uh, or structure yes or it's exactly. financial yes or i was just thinking like abundance something like that right um, and so you right. work so with... we'd want to come up with the specific word or phrase that works for you to and addresses your individual chakra issue mm-hmm. whatever's getting triggered in that chakra we want to rewire that chakra to where you need it to be. Interesting. Um, how long does it take to rewire a nervous system? Or is that just like a too broad of a question? <laughs> it really depends on the individual. In my experience, typically I will teach a, a Mosey method exercise and within, within just minutes, people are feeling re- relief. Oh, this works. But once isn't going to do anything in the long haul. So you've got to practice it many, many times. Mm -hmm. I recommend to my clients after I teach them, do this 20 to 50 times a day. Well, it only takes 15 seconds. Okay, that's So you attach it to a habit that you do many times a day. Or you put it as an alarm on your phone and you do it every hour Mm -hmm. for 10 breaths, you know. And over the course of two weeks is when they start to see longer term results. And what's really cool about the chakras is they're systematic. So you start with the root chakra and then you work to the sacral and all the way up. And by the time you're doing the heart chakra, you're doing the root, sacral, core, and heart. They, and it still only takes 10 seconds. 
because each exercise builds off the other. The the that makes, yeah, that is, that's similar to sort of how I teach a lot of my, my chakra methods as well. Like let's build on things because they really work better in a system. Can we actually talk about that for a second? How the chakras do not exist individually as a vacuum. Um, I think we, like, as like the root chakra can't be like pulled out, dissected or corrected, and then just put right back into you. It's not like a car part, right? Now, I don't even know if cars work like that. I may be overstating my knowledge of engines, but um, I feel like people talk about that a lot. They're like, oh, if I could just get my, my throat chakra balanced, um, but they're not. It's a full network. Yeah. And, and I think they all interplay because of the, with the each other. nerve system. But would you expand on that a little, uh, just about how they work as a system and a network? It is a network. And so this is the center motherboard line of all these smaller lines that come out. And again, atoms and molecules are constantly reorganizing. So they're always new information processing through all of them. The fascinating thing I found with this particular question is each chakra has a married partner. So they work, these two chakras tend to work well together. For example, the root chakra's married partner is the heart chakra. Root chakra is about your basic needs and safety and security. And your heart chakra is about your openness and connection to others and your relationship with other people. Well, you can't relate and connect with other people unless you feel safe. That's true. And so often if the root chakra is out, the heart chakra is going to be out too. If the heart chakra is balanced, the root chakra is going to be more likely balanced Mm. and vice versa. And so each, except for the crown, each of the seven chakras has its married partner that sort of mirrors each other. But that doesn't mean they're not interplaying with the other ones too. The root chakra lives right next to the sacral chakra. So those atoms and molecules are blending and meshing with each other a lot more right. than the root and the third eye. Right. Just because of physical proximity. Right. Yeah. That's... Right. So it's a full network where everything's always moving around. And a lot of people say my such and such chakra is blocked. Well, if it's blocked, that means no energy is going through it and it's dead. There's yes, no I... atoms and molecules moving at all. So there's no really term for blocked. It's more that they're just not functioning at its ideal. Yeah. I feel like we use the word blocked as sort of shorthand for like yeah. imbalance or stuck or stagnant or something because right. it, it, something can be stagnant and still have some movement to it. Like stagnant water still is actually moving. It's not literally like a rock. Right. And so I think, but we we do use that a lot as shorthand, but I think- to your point of like affirmations and thoughts and intentions, if we, if we're thinking blocked, if we're thinking that it's, that won't help sort of release that or rebalance it. Like that's like, if we keep saying it's blocked, yeah. And I feel like saying like (laughs) my heart chakra is not blocked, like it's not going to help anybody. Like that's just not going to be a good, um, a, a good way to, to set that intention when you're doing your, your exercises through the heart, et cetera. Um, uh, Go ahead. That brings up the comment about being very careful about your affirmations and your intentions because the brain doesn't recognize negatives. So when you say my heart chakra is not blocked, your brain here is blocked. And you're actually affirming blocked and then having to undo it. Because not doesn't get registered. 
not is a second step in your brain process. I see. So you're going to block and then you're backing out of it. So it's a longer, harder process for the chakras to actually get to not blocked. So you're much more effective in your affirmations, the intention going from your brain to your body. Instead of saying my heart chakra is not blocked, say my heart chakra is opening. My heart chakra is opening. Okay, well, how do you know when to say my heart chakra is opening or my heart chakra is free or my heart has space? How do you know when to say what? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, how do you, so I'm right. like, how do you know? That's where you have to look at the pathology of what you're dealing with in your heart chakra. And so that's where it becomes a very specific science of, well, why am I saying my heart chakra is blocked? Is it blocked because I'm having difficulty in my romantic relationship? Or is it blocked because I'm having difficulty receiving gifts from other people? Or is it blocked because I'm having a hard time breathing? And then a hard time breathing, could that be like literally physically your actual physical lungs are having a hard time breathing? And yes. So perhaps just because of the stress or something, having a hard time breathing. Right. Which could be an indication of some kind of issue going on with relationship. <laughs> Because it's hard to breathe when you're in a challenged relationship. Yes. And so, and then, hmm, okay, I do want to come back to that. To that point, does each chakra then have a specific breath? Is it always a deep breath in, deep breath out for the root and always something else for the heart? On a general, like if we're talking pathology and wanting to treat the chakras on any level, a deep breath in and a deep breath out is always going to function, help you function better. If you want to get, it's like the difference between taking a general ibuprofen versus, oh, I want to get to this specific type of issue. Then you have to take a different kind of medication that mm -hmm. has similar properties. Got it. Okay. And so then the breath, if you fine tune the type of breath to the type of issue, it's possible to get more specific and more fine tuned. But generally the general anesthetic is going to work. Okay. So if I take a deep breath out, in and out, I'm not hurting anything. No, you're actually <laughs> okay. making everything better. Doing, doing, doing something pretty good. But if I have specific pathology in my throat, there might be something that I could do, like a specific breath that might not work if I have general pathology in my sacral chakra, or it wouldn't work as well. Right. Is that the same? It must be the same thing with the movement. You talk about feet on the ground. Well, feet on the ground is, I mean, I think that we just intuitively recognize that as being connected to stability, security, et cetera. But that's not going to do a whole lot for my third eye necessarily. Right. And so there's- It can support it definitely sure. because they're all intertwined. You, yes, absolutely. And I, I think like you were saying, you kind of can start at the root and build. So if you start working on your root, those positive sort of uh, effects are going to make their way up the Correct. chain. Um, okay. So what you're saying is there's a lot of different breaths that could be used, a lot of different <laughs> physical actions that could be used and a lot of different like affirmations that could be used. Um, and I guess you that's what you're about as... to do is it kind of pairs it down for you. Like it sorts it all out. Is that the idea? Well, there are, when you look at three different inputs, breath, body, and thought, there are limitless combinations you can create there. to cause limitless results you can have in your nervous system. So the Mosey method that 
the base series of the Mosey method is very generalized. It can work with anybody over the general seven chakras. But if you want to get really fine tuned for yourself in specifically what you're dealing with, just like going to a specialist, like call me up, do a session with me and I can help you find that specific exercise for that specific issue. Does it work over like Zoom and stuff? Yep. I do all my work over Zoom. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, it's like, I feel like there before 2020, everybody was doing everything in person. And then a lot of times we realized like long distance stuff actually was a greater possibility. Keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not doing this for you. You're doing it. I'm just showing you how. Right. And it's more important and it works better if I do, if you do it for yourself. Yes. You know, it's not like going to a chiropractor or a massage therapist and they rub it out for you. It's you doing the work for yourself. Which is great then because it's available to you. Um, wherever you are, if you're on vacation, you can still like do this work as opposed to like, well, I guess like get back to my chiropractor in two weeks when I can get an appointment. (laughs) Um, I have a question and this may be totally weird, but you said there what 72 million chakras. Yes. Okay. Can every single one of them get imbalanced? Because that feels really overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like a panic attack. Okay. Okay. You know, when the major central nervous system is so imbalanced for that short time period that it's then sending the message through all of the other nerves that everything's on high alert, a panic attack can be what it feels like when all 72 million are kind of freaking out. When every single one of them is like, nothing's working. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So let's just say there's however many million in my hands now. We know that the heart chakra is a lot of like shoulders and out and the arms and things like that. So then when I do the work on the main heart chakra, does that also, does the effect of that spread out into my other, is that how that works? Yes. And that's why we can. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. You're working at the root source and the others will experience that. Definitely. Okay. That makes a lot of sense and makes me less like stressed that I'm going to have to somehow fit 72 million 10 second exercises (laughs) into my day because I literally don't know how I would ever. Um, it's impossible. Just do one. Just do one. Just do one. Just do one. Do it 15 or 20 times a day. You're good. Okay. Everybody, that's your homework. Um, Terry Lee was nice enough to share with us the root chakra basic one. That's what we're all going to do this week. We're going to put our feet flat on the floor, repeat in our heads, I am safe and take long, deep breaths in and long, deep breaths out. And we're going to acknowledge the good work that we're doing for our root chakras by that simple exercise that's amazing I feel like I literally kind of just did it sitting here in my chair and I actually do feel a little bit better <laughs> that's so weird exactly. and I would not consider myself to have like a really imbalanced root chakra but yeah actually that was that was very nice um well uh two things Terry Lee <laughs> we're, we're we're wrapping up on our time and I actually I still wanted to talk about one more thing, but maybe the affirmations and like how to build a really good one. Um, but maybe, maybe you come back and we talk about that another time. I because think that that's feels a like, whole other topic. It really feels like a whole separate episode um, to me, like how to build an affirmation that works. Why the ones that you're using aren't working. Um, so if you'd be willing, I would love to have you back. 
for. Yes, um, for I would that. love that. We'll have an affirmation building workshop. It'll be fun. Um, so I guess that was the first thing. And the second thing is, will you share with us? I know you have a website because I've been to it. Um, but where can people find more out about your method, how it works, how to work with you? Um, and I know you've got like a big multi-month workshop coming up in the new year. Um, would you just share a little bit with us about that? Yes. So I do have a website, terrylee.com, T-E-R-I-L-E-I-G-H.com. That or of easier to remember, chakras coach, okay. plural chakras coach goes to the same place. It's the same website. So all kinds of information on there. I've got a blog on there from years back. So you can dig back into lots of blog articles and so forth. Working with me, there's three ways. Obviously, one-on-one. If you have some really personalized stuff and you want some personalized support, I do one-on-one coaching via Zoom. Mm-hmm. I've got clients in London and in America and in Switzerland. I've even worked with clients in Australia. Cool. So one-on-one coaching. I also do a nine-month immersion that starts in January and it goes through November. And it's a mastermind group that I cap at 15 people. So that's already starting to sell out for next year. All right. And 15 people, we go one month at a time. The first month we learn breathing. And then we do one month each chakra where we meet twice a month. And then the last month, we just talk about what we learned and how do we stay on track. Okay. And so that's starting in January. And to get into that group, you've got to do a one-on-one meeting with me to make sure you qualify. Okay. Okay. And, that, and then, the information for that, like how to apply if people are interested, that's on the website, of that's course. That's all on the website. Perfect. Yep. There's a special page just for the group emer- okay. group mastermind. And the third thing is I do offer online courses. So you can do any level. There's like half hour courses, really 20 minute webinars. I just did a 20 minute webinar on affirmations today. Cool. So that's up there now. Awesome. Um, And then there's full length programs that are like 30 hours of content on like my book, the Goldilocks principle of the chakras, a practical guide to the chakras is an online course. That's 30 some hours of education on what the chakras are and how they work. Okay. So it really, it sounds like there's kind of like something for everybody, wherever their interest level lies, whatever their like time commitment, or if they're just yes. want to do like an intro, sounds like there's a little something for everybody. That's sounds good. What about like social media? Should we follow you there? I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So any of those places, and I'm about to start a Substack. So. All right. That's cool All right. Good, good luck with that. Um, <coughs> Terry Lee, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this was really fascinating and so like informational and educational. I love how practical you are. I love that. Um, that's such a Midwest root thing of you. I just love it. You're like, listen, I have a lot. I'd just like to really get to the practical points of this. Um, so that was really lovely. Um, and I can't wait to have you back on because I'm really interested in affirmations. So, but first, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. I had a wonderful time. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.